Welcome to the Nude Attitude, where we shatter the mirrored ceiling, worship our sexy selves, and talk about all things holy. This is a safe place where we will be throwing around confidence like confetti and applauding people flaunting their bodies no matter the size, color, gender, or ability. I'm your host, Madeline Gregg, and we're about to dive into the lady pond or whatever gender you prefer to sink into. So raise your glasses high and cheers to your slut side in this nude revolution. good to go yeah i'm good to go okay we're gonna start with some icebreakers and the first one is what's your name and what do you prefer to be called uh my name is mike and mike is fine what are your pronouns uh he slash him what's your sexual orientation uh hetero flexible 1.5 on the kinsey scale okay (laughs) (laughs) have you ever taken that uh, I mean, I've not taken, I don't know if there's a test related to it, but I was I just like looking at the different levels, right? Yeah. yeah, I tried to take it once and it's like, if I guess there's like no official one, but it said yeah. I was like super, super gay, so it didn't really matter. Um, nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your favorite position? Uh... I kind of like changing positions around a lot. Like I feel when you're in one position, it kind of gets boring for a little bit. And also, you know, if it's, you're really excited, you can use a change of position to calm down a little bit as a guy. Uh, but if I had to choose a position, I, I like cowgirl with the girl kind of like leaning backwards a lot. So, you know, I'm hitting her G spot and she's getting some good stuff out of it too. Uh, that's probably neck and neck with me with like the girl laying down on her face with her legs closed and me behind her, my legs outside of hers. Yeah, Yeah, that's one. Yeah. Yeah, okay. (laughs) I was like puzzling that together as you were saying that. Oh, yeah, that works. Okay. (laughs) Uh, What's the last porn you watched? Uh, So it was kind of a random porn on Pornhub. It was uh, last night, in fact, it was a wife giving her husband sort of like a, uh, I guess, rubbing her pussy against his dick, right? Uh, And kind of like teasing him a little bit and like teasing the tip and then like having sex. Okay. So it wasn't like, you know, official porn or anything. Like it was just husband and wife sort of thing. Okay. What's your most attractive feature? Uh, the one that I think is most attractive about myself, I guess, uh, I don't know, I consider it my openness and empathy towards other people. Like, I think that, I don't know, (laughs) I I feel like that is a thing that attracts people to me. What feature do you struggle to love? Um, I've never had quite the build I want. Like I've been very skinny since high school, uh, and it's very hard for me to like build muscle mass. Um, so I guess that's probably it. What's the most amount of people that you've had sex with at one time? Okay, uh, I guess it <laughs> depends on what you call sex, but I guess the TLD answer to that would probably be uh, five. 
Okay. That I that I directly sexually interacted with. Yeah. Uh, what feature do you notice in someone that you're attracted to first? Uh, I would say eyes and smile, definitely. How do you unwind? Um, video games uh, often, uh, comedy TV shows, uh, and a nice scotch. <laughs> okay. What are you watching right now? Uh, as far as comedy TV shows, yeah. Bojack Horseman and You're the Worst, both of those are a little bit dark of comedies. Those are really dark, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I tried to watch Bojack for like a season and... Oh, it, oh, it was, gets even worse. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was yeah it's an existential though. dread comedy. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you can unwind with that. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I'm having you on because you're um, a switch and mm -hmm. you like to, okay, so I'm having a hard time wording this because when I say like a submissive in a BDSM relationship, a switch in a BDSM relationship, you're not right. necessarily in a BDSM relationship. So what, no. what do you describe like this particular conversation as? Like you're a switch that like uh, you take place in BDSM activities? Yeah, so like a lot of people that are, most people that are in, into BDSM aren't like lifestyle people. They don't do it 24 seven, right? right? Um, so like, you know, we have BDSM parties with friends and that sort of thing. And as far as how I self-identify, uh, you know, Switch is the like quick and dirty, the slightly longer version is a dominant sadomasochist. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll go into wording later. <laughs> okay, <laughs> fair enough. So I want to start out with this question, and I asked um, Tara this. Tara was somebody that I interviewed um, before you. She's a submissive. Um, okay. So I asked her, what would you say to people that say BDSM um, is degrading or abusive? Because from the outside looking in, people see this. They see, like, right. the leather. They see the whips. They see, like, what you as somebody who experiences it, you, they don't understand. They don't, they don't get it. Right. So what would you say to them? So, uh, well, I'll take each of those terms separately. Uh, degrading, it can be if you want it to be. Uh, okay. But uh, there's a big thing in the BDSM culture around consent, right? Um, consent is very important. Uh, so nobody's going to do something to you that you don't really don't want to be done to you uh, unless they are. And then we'll all get to the other term you used, abusive. Uh, with BDSM, as within normal relationships, there can be abusive BDSM relationships. Uh, but BDSM is kind of ironically, by its very nature, the opposite of abusive uh, because there is such like consent. And if you're being like really hardcore about it, you have checklists with like new partners and that sort of thing. Uh, it's it's the sort of thing where um, it's it's a little bit cliche to you know people that are in the lifestyle, but the the bottom or the submissive is actually the one with the power in the relationship because they are the ones yeah. who set their own boundaries, right? No, that's one hundred percent accurate. Yeah. Well, now that we have that one out of the way, <laughs> how did you start in all of this? Yeah. So the first time that I really was personally uh, involved in BDSM was when I was in my late teens. Uh, my girlfriend at the time uh, worked at a store and her store manager ran an S&M event at a Halloween uh, party at a goth club. 
and those goth clubs yeah, get yeah you every there's, time there's there's a pretty big overlap in the venn diagram of uh <clears throat> goth kids and uh bdsm people i would say are there really uh, yeah yeah okay. more than you would think yeah <laughs> um and yeah so there was someone on a saint andrew's cross and there are all these stations set up on kind of like a stage-ish area it was cordoned off and i was like the my uh, girlfriend's boss, you know, this was, they worked at Hot Topic. So again, gothy and, uh, you know, this sort of thing was not out of the ordinary. Uh, mm -hmm. So my girlfriend's boss was a pro dominatrix and she was flogging people up there. And I was like, eh, that looks kind of fun. Oh, sorry, there might be some background noise from- uh, That's okay. Uh, I live in an urban environment too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, uh, I said, that looks kind of fun and I want to get up and try it. And then I did, and I had a lot of fun getting flogged. So that was probably my first experience with the uh, so your BDSM. first experience was submissive? Yes. Yeah. Okay. That's fascinating. I love it. Yeah. To me also, it's easier to be submissive than dominant because usually when you're like, when you're the dominant one, you know, you kind of have to make the decisions. Yeah. It's, you have to be very creative about it and you're the one who's like, okay, what should we do next? And and there's yeah. a lot of like mind you're coming up with ideas. Yeah. And you're trying to like know how to fuck with your sub if you're into that or, you know, yeah. Absolutely. So, yeah. so when, so since you're a switch, you obviously have experiences being dominant. So when did you yeah. try being dominant? Uh, probably not long after that first experience with my girlfriend. Uh, she okay. was very much more on the submissive side of things. Sure. Um, so. When did you realize that you were like, I like, I like it both ways. Why can't we have both? Hard uh, yeah, probably, you know, when, when I started being on the other side with my girlfriend, I was like, oh, this is also really fun too. Like, I like, I, I like both of these things. And at the time I hadn't, you know, read up on BDSM or whatever. And, um, you know, there are some people in the old school leather guard that's like, either you're a master or you're a slave. And I'm like, didn't know anything about that at the time. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to have fun being the fucking hedonist that I am. I'm going to have okay. fun in whatever ways I want to. Sure. So do you prefer one over the other? Uh, not really. It's, um, Usually it depends on the person that I'm interacting with and I will mm -hmm. have like a certain energy with that person. Um, so there are some people that I do switch with, but I tend to be one way or the other, depending on, you know, the other person that I'm interacting with. Uh, but to answer your question, I mean, that sounded like a dodge. Uh, I no, usually no, prefer, no. yeah, I usually prefer being a uh, dominant and uh, sadist, but I do very much enjoy like masochism as well, so. yeah. So can you go into some of those terms? Because I have a very like wide variety of listeners. Some people right. are very experienced with BDSM. Some people are very experienced with kinks. And some people are like, this is, you know, almost their therapy to not be so prudish. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and a lot of people use it for that. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, not that guess, like you should dive into BDSM to not be British. Like, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying no. <laughs> they listen to this. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I guess the easiest to start off with is the dominant-submissive uh, relationship. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, that's one where like one person has the power and the other person serves them. There are different levels of that. Uh, Master-slave being the most extreme version of that. Um, 
And that's more of a power dynamic, whereas when it comes to sadism and masochism, it's all about the pain, right? I'm the person who's giving you the pain, you're the person who's taking the pain. I'm not necessarily dominant over you, you're not necessarily submissive to me, I am just the one who's giving you the pain. Obviously, right. you can mix the two and, uh, you know, have someone who is a dominant sadist to someone who is a submissive masochist. Mm -hmm. uh, but you don't always have to mix the two. Like some submissives don't like pain at all. They just like the act of submitting and serving. Yeah. And I want to stress that like any pain should always be consensual. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Any other terms? Um, I mean, those are the main ones of importance. Yeah. Okay. When I talked to you last, I, you told me that you had a mentor. Yes. And that was a new one for me. All right. <laughs> but it makes sense because you don't like just jump into something and like automatically know how to do it, especially something that should have like such structured rules like BDSM. Yes. If you want to um, dive in a little bit to that. Yeah. So I will say that most people in BDSM do kind of just jump into it and kind of figure their way out with whatever internet resources oh, and books that they can find. I don't approve. Uh, but uh, <laughs> it's not the best. Uh, I mean, it, it can be okay as long as you're being very careful about everything and you're finding good resources. Uh, I had probably been into S&M actively for about five years before I uh, got with my mentor. Uh, yeah, so uh, my mentor, um, he was more from the old school leather guard is what they call it. Uh, so uh, a brief, like a... A brief history. Know, <laughs> yeah, a brief history, like the elevator history of uh, S&M is when a lot of um, soldiers were over in World War II, they were had gay experiences with some of their fellow soldiers. Uh, when they came back to the States, they were still into having those experiences. So the gay lifestyle was very involved with what we call the leather lifestyle. The leather lifestyle was very influenced by uh, the hierarchy kind of, of uh, you know, World War II. And uh, so that's where a lot of the power dynamics came in. And that's where a lot of the kind of uniforms, except they're leather now mm -hmm. uh, sort of thing came in. Um, he came from that sort of a background, though he was not gay himself. Uh, he was kind of trained that way himself. Um, and he did a lot of different um, demonstrations and tutorials and like he would go to various, uh, you know, S&M clubs and at uh, different conventions and things like that. And I thought like, man, this guy really clicks with me. So I kind of followed him around a little bit and like was going to a lot of the demonstrations that he was doing. Uh, and, you know, he and his slave kind of like noticed that and we struck up conversations and like had really good chemistry. Um, and he offered to be my mentor. And I was like, yes, that would be fucking awesome. That's fascinating. Yeah. Wow. I feel like I should have a lot of questions, but I don't because I'm just kind of in awe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was, uh, yeah, he's a very good mentor. So, yeah. Yeah, that's really, really interesting. I'm trying to figure out how to like ask this question and be politically mm. correct. <laughs> Don't worry about being politically correct. <laughs> well, I worry about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you don't necessarily do any penetration with BDSM. Am I correct in that? Uh, not necessarily. Okay, yeah. so walk me through this a little bit. 
So most often, like when I will like play with someone else in a BDSM sense, mm -hmm. uh, it's mostly like the sexual things that happen tend to be like making out, groping. Um, when it goes beyond that, you know, it's something that I have to clear with my wife first. Uh, if it's going to be like, you know, finger penetration or, you know, oral stuff or whatever. Uh, but I would say, pro well, we do have some friends down the road that we play with on a semi-regular basis that things go further than that. But I would say outside of that couple, 90% uh, of the time that I do BDSM, it's mostly just making out and groping in addition to the BDSM stuff. If that so answers your question. It's like all foreplay. Kind of, yeah. You can think of it that way. Yeah. Fascinating. So was that a decision that you and your wife came up like for in your marriage, or was that something that like you've just never really wanted to mix the two? Or you just want to make uh, it with like a certain few people. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of a mix of all of those things. So when we started our relationship, we were like completely monogamous. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, just as time went on and we got intimate with friends and stuff, things like, you know, like, oh, I make out with this person and it's fine. And you make out with that person and it's fine. And like sometimes things just progress step by step. Mm -hmm. uh, but, um, you know, we had decided that we like don't really want to be like full on polyamorous, right? That's a little bit uh, too much, uh, but we have we have fun with friends. So there are two terms uh, that are common in the BDSM world for how you view uh, how you should safely do BDSM, right? Um, so one is SSC, safe, sane, and consensual. Um, one of the kind of seminal books on BDSM is called S&M 101 by Jay Weissman. And he talks a lot about it there. So, you know, those are the kind of the three pillars. Everything should be safe. Everything should be sane, right? You mm -hmm. don't want to have an abusive relationship and everything should be consensual. Everyone should consent to what's going on. Yes. Yeah. So that's uh, kind of one of two schools of thought. The other one is called RACK, R-A-C-K, which is called... Um, risk aware consensual kink. So there are a lot of things that we do in kink that cannot be 100% safe, right? Like there's always the possibility that you're going to like either screw up and injure someone or some things are just inherently uh, a little bit more on the dangerous side. So that school of thought is not like, don't try to be 100% safe, but make sure that everyone involved is aware of the risks and mm -hmm. that they consent to them. So. Do you want to give me an example of that? Uh, so one would be like one contentious one is uh, breath play, right? So uh, for, like breath play, you know, inherently carries some danger with it, especially depending on how you do it. Mm -hmm. uh, so a lot of people in the safe, sane, consensual, the SSC crowd are like, no, you should never, ever choke someone out under any circumstances. And whereas people so in the, fun. yeah, well, whereas people in the, uh, in the rack, uh, philosophy would be like, well, you know what? People choke each other out in Brazilian jujitsu all the time. As long as you know how to do it, uh, it's not zero risk. There yeah. is some risk there, but you can, you know, that the risk, what the risk is, and it's consensual as long as everyone knows what those risks are, then, uh, yeah, go for it. So once you know that you 
want to explore BDSM, how how do you get into it? Like, what's somebody's like first step? Right. Uh, so the first step is usually the hardest. It also depends a lot on like what size of a town you're in, uh, whether you're like in a bigger city that has a lot of groups or whether you're in a small town where everybody is like kind of, you know, in the closet about it. Um, <laughs> in, the, in the closet yeah. about it. Not that it's yeah. not happening. Everybody's doing it. They're just not talking about it. Yeah, more than you would think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so the first, these days, what I recommend to people is the first step is to uh, sign up on FetLife.com, which is a BDSM focused uh, website. It's kind of like Facebook for BDSM, uh, but okay. it differs from a lot of other uh, such sites in that you can't do focused searches on the site. So for example, I can't say like, I'm a dominant male that's looking for a submissive female between the ages of 18 and 25 in my area. So you can't do Craigslist ads. Yes. Well, okay. I mean, you can, you could put an ad up there, but you can't just like search for all the users around you that are like that. Gotcha. And that's one of the big ways that it differed from a lot of the other sites uh, that were similar, you know, BDSM get to know people sites. And those were more of like meat markets that were very not great for women. You know, you get a meat lot of markets. The, yeah, well, yeah. I think uh, I know what it is. It's it's not an S and M term. It's just a like, oh, here's where I go to fuck, right? Like fuck boys. Yeah, yeah, and okay. um, so tender. And, yeah, yeah, basically <laughs> like that, and that's very uh, not welcoming environment for women, especially, but mm -hmm. really anyone who's new to the scene. So FetLife is more based around like finding communities, having like message boards. Uh, you can see like what local groups there are that exist and uh, interact with them. Uh, so what is very common for S&M groups is to have things called munches. So this is where the uh, group will get together and just like a restaurant. Uh, and if you're new, you can just be like, hey, come sit down with the people who are involved in this and just talk to them like, you know, normal human beings outside of a scary dungeon environment uh, to get to know some of the people. Uh, you know, strike up some conversations, uh, ask questions that you have. Um, and then those groups will have, you know, separate nights for when they go and get their kink on at the local dungeon or wherever it may be. So you have munches. So it's like a bubble munches, of beauties yes. and like a murder of crows <laughs> a, and a uh, munch yeah. of kinksters. A munch of kinksters, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's something. <laughs> but yeah, the munch is kind of what the, the activity, I guess, is called. It's like that a meet and greet. A yeah. stitch. <laughs> <laughs> a munch of kinksters. A munch of kinksters. <laughs> okay. Um, so what would you say the responsibilities of being like a submissive versus a dominant are? Okay. Uh, I mean, I'll start off with the tougher one, the responsibilities of being a dominant. Uh, so, I mean, the main one is to make sure that you are being safe uh, with mm -hmm. your submissive uh, and that you are doing things that are consensual with them. Um, being a dominant, one of the things that's being hard about a dominant can be, especially for new dominants, keeping that uh, consensual level. Um, not, uh, how to put this? So, 
one of the reasons that you negotiate with someone beforehand is so that you set those boundaries beforehand. You want to do this when you're both, you know, completely sober and ideally you should be playing when you're completely sober as well. Yeah. Uh, but you want to set those boundaries beforehand because once the endorphins get going, once your juices get flowing, your submissive might ask for something uh, that they don't actually want or you are, if you are a bad dom, might start trying to push them towards something that they didn't agree to. Yeah. Uh, so, so one of the most important things about being a dom is don't do that, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, don't be an asshole. Uh, don't don't be a predator. Yeah. Um, the other one is getting to know signs in your submissives. Uh, so, like, there's picking up on body language is an important thing. Right, so uh, when someone's like arching their back toward you versus like, like arch or like bending it away from you to know mm -hmm. like whether they're having fun or not, um, know your techniques, know how to build up. Don't just go from zero to sixty when start like walloping on somebody. Right? Oh yeah, that's a dick uh, move. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. unacceptable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I have met some masochists that do like that, but they are in the very very small minority. So mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, just negotiating with your uh, submissive or your bottom beforehand, um, keeping to you know the the agreed upon uh, extent of what the play should be, keeping an eye on them during play. Uh, I personally like to check in on you know my bottoms, uh, you know, semi frequently during play, just to make sure that they're doing yeah. okay. And I mean, you know. I think like there's really nothing wrong with saying like, are you okay? Or are you enjoying yourself? It's just I mean, a you can do question. It in, and you can do that in yes a sexy no, way too. And you can move on from there. You can do that in a sexy way too, though. Like, you know, like grab somebody by the back of their hair and whisper in their ear, you like this, you fucking bitch. Like, yeah. Um, I... I need a moment. <laughs> I'm having some flashbacks. Hold on. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. So what are some responsibilities for herself? <laughs> I'm sorry. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> but I'm loving it. Keep going. All right. Uh, yeah, so the, uh, the responsibilities are for a submissive are more than you might think, right? Um, so one of the big responsibilities is setting those boundaries with whoever's uh, working with you, having like making sure that you have that uh, period of negotiation uh, for like, this is what I like, does it mesh up with you? Like, these are my hard no's, uh, these are my maybes, these are my like super yeses, uh, making sure that uh, they know that. Um, uh, another one is using your safe word when you need to. Like one of the things. Um, yeah, don't be that afraid to actually say yeah, it. Yeah, never be afraid to say it. And one of the things that a lot of, especially new submissives and, and masochists, uh, kind of fall into is they think that they will be disappointing their dom if they, you know, call red or whatever it may be. Um, and no decent dom is going to feel bad about that, right? Yeah. They're not going to, yeah. So call red if you need to. Um, I find that it helps if submissives are, you know, if they vocalize in general, like they're, you know, what they're feeling, uh, whether that be pleasure or displeasure, but uh, 
definitely call your yellows if you use, you know, the, the green, yellow, red system is the, the easiest one for safe words. Some people have like, you know, orange Sunday or whatever for a, yeah, but a safe I find word. That, like, so just like not sexy or I guess like safe words don't have to be sexy. Never That's <laughs> part of the point of the safe word is to pull you out of that moment, right? Yeah. I mean, my favorite safe word is please stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so for, so that's one of the things too, is like some couples don't need safe words, right? Mm -hmm. Most, most interactions I find don't. The only time you really need a safe word is if someone gets into saying like, no, don't stop, but they want that to be part of the scene, right? That they're right, role playing of course. it. This yeah. Is yeah, exact. Yeah. Uh, so as far as like, oh, I did miss one, uh, one duty of a dom as well. Um, which, uh, you know, again, not everyone needs this, but aftercare is a big thing, yeah. right? So scenes can get very intensely like emotional. Mm -hmm. um, and after you're done, like give your sub some cuddles or whatever they need, you know, give them a make blanket a because they're gonna be, yeah, yeah, make them a fucking yeah. sandwich, yeah. Order um, some dominoes, like do something yeah. nice. <laughs> dominoes. <laughs> after, you know, flogging them for hours. Yeah. At least yeah. you could do. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and also I find that uh, checking in the next day helps too, to mm -hmm. make sure like, was everything okay? Like, did I go too far with anything? What did you like? What did you not like? Um, like my general rule when playing with somebody as a dom is to like not, not try to hit their limit, right? Mm -hmm. To leave, leave both myself and them wanting a little bit more, but that also makes sure like extra sure that I don't go over any like thresholds or boundaries. Absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, sorry. So that was just one that I remembered while we were talking about the subs duties. Uh, Before we got very off track. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I guess the the last duty of the sub would would again to be communicative even after the scene uh, with their dom. Uh, mm -hmm. Make the sure person. to tell the person. Yeah, make sure to tell the other person like if they did good or not because you know doms need positive feedback too. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I guess another thing would be like if you are into physical BDSM, it's good to practice, practice, practice. <laughs> How? Uh, <laughs> so uh, when I first started with BDSM, flogging is kind of like the, you know, the intro to BDSM sort of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, one of the ways that my mentor suggested that I practice that was tie up a pillow to a door and just like use the flogger on the pillow, kind of get okay. your figure eight rhythm going and make sure that you're hitting the spots that you want to hit. And uh, how do you practice being submissive though? Okay. That is a little bit harder to practice. That's yeah. why I like prefaced Unless, it with like, like you when you're a rat and you just like yeah. talk back to YouTube videos. Yeah. <laughs> there are ways to practice being like a masochist, uh, you know, like learning breathing techniques, uh, sure. some masochists. Uh, so one interesting thing that I found in BDSM is some masochists or subs really like bruises. Right. So, uh, after you've played for a while, it's actually like after you've played for like, I don't mean like over the course of a night, but after you've been playing for a while, it's actually harder to get bruised. Hmm. Um, and so a lot of like subs are like, oh, I can't get bruised. And I, I really want to take an aspirin beforehand. Take an aspirin. So <laughs> you'll the, have the nice little that, trophies if you take an aspirin. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it both helps you to take a little bit more pain, but also like just the way that aspirin works in a physical sense helps you sure. to get bruised more. So hmm. practice makes perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's really fascinating to talk to you because um, I'll be talking to a um, female dom next. Oh, cool. I talked to a female sub before you. So like having mm -hmm. you who's experienced both, it's fascinating and I love hearing both sides of it. So mm -hmm. being a male with a taboo is like being a male straight sub taboo. Uh, to the normal world, yes, but you find that in the S&M world, well, I don't know the demographics now, but I know that uh, reading Jay Weissman, again, the S&M 101 book, he was talking about like the early days of mm -hmm. like when he was getting into it. Uh, and he was like very surprised to see that most of the men that were there were like submissives or slaves in the like communities that he was in. Uh, it is not at all like within the community. It, everybody's like, great, do what the fuck you want. There is no taboo whatsoever or not taboo. It, there's male subs are not looked down on whatsoever yeah within the community but of course you know there is the in the grander scheme of our society like that's the thing that males are supposed to be dominant and whatever yeah, the bullshit whole assume that like yeah. males are always dominant which is not yeah. accurate not whatsoever yeah so you sound very experienced what's something that you that either has happened to you or that you've inflicted to somebody else that you su were surprised that you found really attractive or a turn on or that you really enjoyed okay uh so my very first experience with a single tail whip so that's like if you think of a bull whip or whatever uh was very surprising to me uh as so i was a bottom in this instance i was a the uh masochist and I was working with a, a lady who was very experienced with them. The first thing that I found interesting was that they can be very soft and like almost feel like nothing at all because mm -hmm. there's these like little wisps on the end of what they call the cracker, the little thing that makes the cracking sound. Um, and she built me up very slowly, just like little taps until like she was hitting me pretty hard. And she was actually the one that like stopped the scene. Um, like I was having like a blast and I, it was feeling really good. My endorphins were up and she's like, I'm gonna call it stop right now. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool, whatever. Then she like took me off the cross and like petted me a little bit and was like, look in the mirror. And I looked in the mirror and my back was just like torn the fuck up. Like oh, I can, yeah. Yeah. I just really else, just didn't notice. I, I did not know, like she, and that's one of the things about like, if you know how to build up well, mm -hmm. like you can take somebody like pretty far and, and she built me up just so slowly uh, that, yeah, my back was, yeah, pretty, pretty welted and had a, a decent amount of bleeding. What a pro. <laughs> I was surprised by that as much as anyone else in that room, like. So on the opposite spectrum, have you ever done something to somebody else that you were um, surprised that you found that you enjoyed or that they asked for and you were like, mm, we'll see how this goes? Mm, 
Let me think. Uh, nothing is coming to me off the top of my head. Oh, well, okay, yeah. <laughs> one of my, uh, at the time, like she was my slave. So this is one of the few master-slave relationships I had. Uh, she was into water sports and that was something that like I wasn't particularly into, but I was like, well, if you want to try it, I'll do it. And then and like, when I did it, I was- Explain to all of us what are water sports. Uh, when you urinate on someone else or have them urinate on you. Yes. And uh, yeah, that was, you know, one of the things that I thought would be like too taboo even for me. And then when I did it, I was like, huh, this is kind of like a cool feeling of power. Like, and I know that she's getting off on the degradation and like, I, I thought it would feel abusive, but it did not. Hmm. Fascinating. Have you ever, so have you been to any of the like king conventions? Oh yeah, several of them. We have uh, a few here in Atlanta. Um, yeah, well, I've also been to it was almost down a, in Florida. It was a built up question. I kind of knew that you probably <laughs> okay. have been to. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this motherfucker definitely I, has. I have um, not gone no. to as many as some of my friends who have gone like all over the world to fetish conventions, like the ones no in Germany and the Folsom Street Fair and all that sort of thing. But yeah, I've, I've definitely been to fetish conventions. Anyway, sorry, I wow. didn't mean to interrupt. No, it's okay. I mean, like, that'll eventually be me because it's literally my job now. <laughs> nice, nice. So um, what, what's been something surprising that you were like, oh, my God, that's a kink? Like, I didn't know that was actually a thing. By the time I was going to fetish conventions, like, nothing there particularly surprised me. Um, okay. It did surprise me some of the things that, like, one of the reasons that I really like fetish conventions, uh, the ones that I go to are they're very educational. They have like panels on how to do stuff and yes. know, hands on or whatever. Uh, so one of them was like, huh, vampirism is a fetish. Okay. Yeah. I guess I can dig it. Like just, you know, not necessarily involved with blood play, but the whole vampire role play thing is a fetish. I had never really thought of before, but I mean, I could yeah. see that. I mean, it's definitely not mine, but I could definitely mm -hmm. see it. Yeah, and you can, it, again, it's just, I think, a kind of a niche of the um, role play fetish sort of thing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I get, well, okay. Now that I've thought about it a little bit more. Yeah, uh, give me all the juicy beats. No, like, so one fetish that I didn't really think was going to be a thing was, uh, like, Jews with Nazi fetishes. Wait, I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Yeah, and there are also Black people who have, like, slave fetishes as well. Uh, and there's like, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, I just listened to a podcast a couple of weeks ago, kind of unpacking all that and how it's like, doesn't have to be toxic and it's not necessarily a bad thing. This is sometimes how people cope with, you know, feelings in themselves. Hmm. Um, but yeah, that was one that when I heard about it, I was like, what, what, what? Yeah, that's a conversation that I'm going to leave for somebody else who has that fetish to Yeah, that to one. Me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, so do you have any tips for newbies? I feel like we kind of already went over this, but do you have anything else for them? Yeah, I mean, I guess, um, so first of all, don't be afraid to get involved with, you know, local groups, uh, you know, scope them out. Uh, the biggest thing with entering into the world of BDSM is 
it, it's very scary. Uh, also, people yeah. realize that a lot of the, pretty much all of the uh, BDSM porn and a lot of the BDSM uh, literature that you'll read as far as like, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey or whatever is mm -hmm. fantasy and not reality. Like that's what people, you know, jill off about, but that's that's not the dynamic that it actually is. Yeah, no, um, let's, we can dive into Fifty Shades of Grey for a second if you want. <laughs> did you read uh, that's it? That's fine. Uh, no, I did not. Uh, I know, I saw the movie and I know the high points of it though, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, highly abusive. Yes. Not a very good representation of it. Right. And Don't it's, that's why I say that it's it's fantasy, right? And Absolutely. like, and people fantasize about, man, there's a lot in BDSM and kink in general that like people fantasize about that would not be healthy whatsoever if you did it in real life. Like, oh, no, not at all people have rape fantasies and that's a perfectly normal thing. Uh, but that's a fantasy about something that people who have rape fantasies don't actually want to get raped. They just fantasize about it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What about for veterans? Do you have any um, tips for veterans? Uh, for veterans? Not military uh, veterans, like veterans. Know, yes. Yeah. Veterans <laughs> of, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, like any good reminders for them? Uh, good reminders would be that uh, I guess always do outreach to the new people and you know the next generation that's coming in. Um, be be kind and gentle with them. You were there once too. Uh, this is becoming I feel a lot more mainstream based off of you know just popular media. Again, Fifty Shades of Grey being one example, but other yeah. movies like The Secretary and like various even like Rihanna's S and M song. Um, it's coming more and more into the mainstream. So uh, realize that there's going to be, you know, an influx of people, uh, you know, mentor them in whatever way you can. It doesn't have to be a, you know, mentor-mentee relationship uh, on paper or whatever, but just try to help them out uh, a lot. Um, also realize that there's always something new for you to learn. Like some people get jaded and are like, I know everything in the S&M world. Like I, I do not consider myself experienced with S&M. I consider myself like moderately experienced. Mm -hmm. Like I'm, I'm not like an expert by any means of the imagination. All right. Any closing remarks? Um, no, it's been a pleasure to uh, talk about this with you and I hope that your listeners get something out of it and uh, that uh, you learned some stuff too. Oh, I absolutely did. Thank you so much for being awesome. with me. Oh, you're very welcome. It was, uh, it was a blast. Good. so much for listening. This has been The Nude Attitude, a podcast focusing on radical body acceptance and anti-slut shaming from a true hoe. If you want to interact with upcoming episodes, ask questions, or request topics, please find me on Instagram at the period nude period attitude and on Twitter at underscore nude underscore attitude and on my website, thenudeattitude.com. I'm Madeline Bragg. Hope you keep coming back for more.